I guess first thing first, education has to be done. Like self education has to be done. You gotta you gotta learn what it is. And a lot of times you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. until you learn something new, right? So that's what what I did. I, I joined first biggerpockets.com towards 2019. Was not that active in the beginning, but later part of it, I started listening to the podcast, reading all these articles about essentially, you know, learn about their language because they're talking about different language. They're talking about NOI, cat rate, cash and cash return. So first learn what it is to be in the real estate, especially multifamily. And then you got to know why you're doing multifamily because as you said, a lot of people start with single family flipping short-term rental. I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different animal. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. a lot of people being very lucrative by doing short-term rental, Airbnbs, or single flipping businesses. So you got to know yourself. Like, Do you enjoy having your hands-on, talking to the tenants, arranging things? Then go for it. But to me, it was not. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited yet again with another amazing guest, uh, Mr. Yosef Lee. Yosef, how's it going, brother? How are you, Abel? Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited. Man, I'm excited to have you too. I'm having a great day. It's it's better now that you're here with me recording this amazing show. So uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you don't know Mr. Yosef Lee, absolutely need to get in his world. He's a New York City lawyer, a multifamily investor. He's got a little hustle that wants to make it happen. And uh, he is going to talk to us today a little bit about some education that he took, creating partnerships, building teams, and also taking action in multifamily. So we're excited to to hear from him. I've I've watched him and his journey on LinkedIn, and it's went from a COVID beginning uh, to, you know, an opportunity as a JV and then an opportunity in syndication. And the man's on fire. He's in about $5 million worth of commercial real estate. And he's been doing it for, for about a year investing. So anyways, I'm, I'm pumped and I'm excited. So Yosef, in your own words, let me turn it over to you. Tell us who you are and what you do. And we'll just start a great conversation from here, my friend. Sure, Abel. Thank you very much. I think that was a great intro. I think you already did my job. <laughs> okay. So briefly speaking, I'm a South Korean immigrant, lawyer, uh, like busy professional in New York City, just as you said, father of two girls, eight, 10 years. Actually, my girl is going to junior high soon. So I'm very excited and that um aspiring to take back control of my time by being financially free through multifamily apartment investing. That's basically where I'm going to. Briefly, how I got to real estate. So 
Well, I went to law school with the, well, I guess, like goal of going up a corporate ladder, being a partner in a law firm and all that, or working for some part of international agency type thing. And that when, was like my dream thing. When did you, when did you say I want to be a lawyer? When did you say this, that, you know? So basically I went to law school without really having a goal of being a lawyer because the agency that I wanted to work for, that was like a, my dream job. They said, if you actually go to law school or have a master's degree, you will actually start with higher ranking. Oh, so, oh, so based you're saying on that, the agency was not law. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm with you. Right, I'm right. With you. And, and they said that. So I went to law school to actually start in the agency with a higher ranking, not necessarily an attorney. Yeah. What? So what was the dream for the agency side that that didn't end up happening there? What did you want to go uh, do no, specifically? I was a UNESCO. So that's United Nations, part of branch uh, education and art and science for kids and for like general humane well-being, right? <laughs> Man, well, that's that's an awesome cause. And we'll talk about how I bet you can still do the same thing in a different way. But Man, that, right, so right. that was a, the original goal. Uh, okay, so that, that makes sense. And you're from New York. I heard New kids. York. How old are your little ones? Eight years and 10 years. Oh, man, congratulations. Well, that's that's awesome. Thank so how, did you grow up in New York all your life? No, actually, I immigrated in New York at, at the age of 17. So I grew up in South Korea, went to high school there, and I came here for college. Korea, Anyang Haseo. Hey, An there you go. Anyang Haseo. I, I went to Korea one time. I had a big client over there. Oh, actually, a small little client, Samsung. And uh, oh. I, I got to go to their company headquarters and do that stuff. And I, I learned a little bit of Korean, just a, just enough to say uh, that. So anyways, man, you're from, from Korea. That's freaking awesome. And I love an immigrant story. Something about the opportunity that you took advantage of when you moved over to the U.S. when you were 17 years old. There are extra obstacles, extra challenges, extra hardships that somebody that was born here will never know. A different language, a different culture, a different all the things. And you are in the U.S. making an amazing run at it. Man, let me let me just pause here for before we keep going in real estate, because the real estate's, you know, it's going to it's you've got a great story here. But a lot of times it's mindset. It's like 80, 90 percent of mindset what we do. And so what? were some of those hardships or obstacles that you that you can remember, you know, when you're just moving over here? And how did you overcome them? Okay, well, pictures. Well, basically, you're, you're the first one who asking like that side of the story, because I usually quickly just move on to the real estate, how I started. So mm -hmm. it was like a couple of months before turning to 18. I came here January 2000 it was it winter. And as soon as I came here, I had to start working because, you know, my my uncle, I had my relatives here. Uh, in their which we call the laundry, so I learned how to like steam steam the all the clothings, all that. Mm -hmm. And thereafter, mm -hmm. one I found the school to attend. I went to college here, and while I'm attending college, I worked maybe like ten to fifteen different jobs, like part times. I worked in a uh, grocery store, a tattoo shop, jewelry store, uh, you know, all different fish market, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just trying to make it happen. Didn't really have any big dreams back then. So my, my major was fine art and studio because I really loved the liberty that the fine arts uh, students were enjoying in their studio. It's 24-7 open. They go there, they play the music, they paint. So basically, I was just 
enjoying the life as is that way without really having any proper like a big goals or anything in life and when i just met a guy who was making things happen in their career he's he's passed away so i don't want to really talk about him too much but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i got motivated by his life the way why we should live for some other purposes than just living the life as is there is a purpose driving our life and all that and that's when i you know i would say met truly my uh god there i don't want i don't know if i could talk about <laughs> religion here but you all can basically feel, feel comfortable all if you like to right yeah so summing up everything after i came to the us after going through all this life that i didn't have to when i was in korea with my parents cuz i came here without my parents so it was just me and my brother so we were just trying to make things happen i went to school always worked and uh found a purpose uh back then it was not really shaped it was about how to live the life meaningfully right so trying to help people and just have more big cause than yourself things like that and eventually like i said that's where i found about un and the goals and their purpose of existence and all that so that's where i wanted to finally decided yeah. to go work for unesco home long Lord. story short <laughs> no what it, I, man i'm so glad i asked that question and, and a little bit more about you and your background because this, it's just it's super motivating to to hear uh somebody take advantage of and uh the the driving reasons behind the motivations a lot of time because you know when when we're buying these deals multifamily a lot of times like i said it's it's mindset it's hard to overcome sometimes if you've never done something before you're 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 getting in front of your own you're you're stopping yourself by saying ah i can't do that and and just to hear what what drives people i think a lot of times you know you, you got a story that somebody else is relating with somewhere they're saying oh you know yosef's just like me like he did it too like he came over this country and and uh and you know he he had some hardships and obstacles but anyways thank you for for sharing just the background so you started going to college here and in the US and that was the agency and then law school like okay so now yeah, take right. take me back to this part okay maybe a little bit of law school life cuz this is another hustling part of my life so imagine cuz i was working full time as a paralegal right before i go to law school yeah 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 and then uh, i was like a 9 to 6 full time paralegal job I had to be at school by six o'clock, so I cut one hour to make commuting time to school. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked on every Saturday throughout my law school to make up that five hours per uh, per each week, right? Yeah, for free. Yeah, to make up six uh, to five hours from one hour cut. So yeah. I worked six days a week, Monday through Saturday, taking night classes in law school. And after school is done around 10 p.m. in the evening, and I go to uh, this 24-hour coffee shop to study because that I know if I go home, I would fall asleep. So I wouldn't go home right away. I would go to this 24-hour coffee shop and study there till like two o'clock, maybe to catch up the readings. Dude, and I go home, and then you know I get some sleep on the couch because. I I purposely slept on couch because I knew if I you know I get too comfy shower and then too comfy then I it, it's harder to wake up next morning because mm-hmm. I had to go to work by eight o'clock in the morning every day right so that was basically like uh, the the race that I had for like almost three years and there are many days that I could only sleep like three four hours a day to catch mm-hmm. up the amount of studies I got into uh, many car accidents thankfully n- no injuries. 
Jeez. just to yeah i know uh because it was i like to sleep right and i don't really recommend this lifestyle because i don't know if i was fully functioning back then <laughs> but i was able yeah. to pull it through and yeah. graduated yeah. and took the bar exam in 2013 and passed it once so i became a lawyer in 2013 Boom. so what a, yes. what, a, what a tremendous commitment and achievement and you know that that's just a, it's awe inspiring even at this part so thank you mm -hmm. thanks for and, sharing you know throughout law school i i became a father of two girls so it all happened during that law school years yeah man, fully packed awesome. yeah. yeah and, and uh, let me i mean pause you too because yeah, go ahead, go ahead. so well congratulations on everything you know, your success your hard work to make it happen what would you say that you were your hustle your grind or your intelligence or what was it that it sounds like your hustle more than than how smart you were. Obviously, a bit of both. But man, you were freaking grinding. Was was that what brought you at least to your success at this point? Or I think I that that is what it is because I don't know. I don't think particularly. I don't think I'm that smart. Everything I do is based on like the amount of work that I put in, and even things like this podcast. It's been extremely hard for me to step up this way. And yeah. I actually made this being on a podcast as my challenge for 2021. All right. Coming out of my out comfort there, zone. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been always uh, the thing of me when I came to the U.S. Because I'm speaking in, in another language, right? Not my mother language. So always it's been my issue. Well, not challenge. I would say challenge, not issues. To improve myself better and better in talking English and learning this new language. I, one funny story when i just came to the us i was not able i was not able to properly say the room was furnished so mm -hmm. in front of my cousins i said the room was punished <laughs> and they were all laughing i didn't know why and they're like hi hey also you were supposed to say furnished not punished because in korea they don't really distinguish the two different pronunciation everything is like a p sound yeah whether yeah. it's an f or a p so it's a little funny story of myself is it well, coming back to <laughs> yes I yes love it. i love it well that's that's uh yeah that's funny man go ahead yeah so back to back to where i was so you know i became a lawyer i thought okay finally this will open some sort of like kind of financial freedom fast forward 2018 i was still hustling working hours and hours <laughs> 2013 to th 2018 right so five, so five years you're in the role you've got your right. lot Pass the bar. People at this point say, "I've reached my success. Now I'm just gonna keep grinding on and and make a lot of money." And and in some cases, I think a lot of people do make a good W two. And yeah. but then really, what happens is is you get lost in this uh, grind. I was I was in a professional career for 13 years in tech, and I kind of felt the same way. I was like, "Man, I'm grinding. I'm grinding. I'm making more. I'm making more every year, a little bit more." But uh, I looked back and I wasn't achieving my part of it. So I'm assuming you have a little bit of a similar story. Tell, tell us what drove you to, to real estate. Okay. So, you know, this, this side of the life, uh, working hard, uh, but nowhere close to financially free. Well, don't get me wrong. I love my job. Just like you said, we love our job and being yeah. an active and working hard. It's great, but it was, there was something missing. A puzzle was filled in by reading this book, Robert Kiyosaki's Reach It and Poor It. I knew about this book years ago. Somebody yeah. gave it to me, but I didn't really read it thoroughly. I just looked at it and like, okay, that's one of the, you know, be rich kind of books. Yeah. Okay. I put it on the shelf, but I 
stumbled upon it again. So I read it really thoroughly this time, and it finally just like turned my mindset upside down. And I realized, oh, I was trapped in a red race as a W two employee, regardless of how much money I was making, mm-hmm. right? And I realized for the first three four months of each year, you're essentially working for free to feed the government by paying income tax thirty forty percent, whatever it was, right? And so all this realization. Just came to me, and I said, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta find something to get out of this uh, light, uh, the tunnel without a light." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's when I concluded, "Okay, I gotta be an investor, some sort of." Yeah. So it, I started vetting different types of investment vehicles, like a little bit of stock bonds and vehicles, and here and there. Eventually, I landed on uh, real estate. Boom! I love it. Well, that that's amazing. I'm. Congratulations for the number one. The mindset is one. You you got it. You made the decision. The hardest part is taking action. Everyone with eyes can see. Few people can really understand what's going on. Less people make a decision, but this very few select percentage of people actually say, "You know what? It's time to take action. I got to move forward and then move forward." Uh, and that was uh, that was a part for you. So real estate was the the, the way. Did you start in single family first or did you jump straight into multifamily commercial real estate or what, what was your mindset when you said, okay, real estate, now what? Okay. So when I came into real estate, I got hooked up with multifamily because all the benefits that, that uh, multifamily investing provides, right? Nice. All yeah. scalability is basically the cost segregation and all that benefits, cash flowing. Yeah. So I, I got hooked up with multifamily from the beginning. And I was at that time around 2019, towards 2000, end of 2019, I was listening to some of the podcasts and I heard, um, Michael Blank, who was talking about his own experience of, uh, uh, having, being a single family flipper before coming to multifamily sector. And he was really, really successful in that. But when he came to the multifamily sector, uh, the, uh, the lenders and brokers all treated him like as if he was a newbie because he yeah. didn't have multifamily experience. He said, looking back, he could have jumped into uh, multifamily right away. So I heard that. And plus, Frank Cardone is like, always oh, don't even bother looking at below 16 units because the scalability. <laughs> yeah. So these two guys were saying that. And back then, I didn't really have that much of knowledge. So I just got sucked into these two guys like, oh, maybe I should just look into a big multi. So that's, you found, that's you how found the right people, it. which is so awesome. Yeah, you found the right people and uh, good people to learn from. And I joke with one of my buddies that is a partner with me now. We went to a multifamily real estate conference and education program, which I, I believe you did the same. But but I was like, we were talking a few months ago and I go, man, I'm so glad I went to the, we bought, we bought into the multifamily conference as opposed to like a hotel flippers conference or something, mm-hmm. something or like a single family. But anyways, it, it was just a good time for it. So, okay, man, this is, this is pretty cool. You, you, you make this decision, you're jumping in, you, you, you manage to really let that soak in. Don't do single family. You don't need to do single family first. You can jump straight into multifamily and most people will freeze there. They like freeze. I froze there. I froze there in 2008 to 2018. I did 10 years of single family because when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just like you, then I read ABC's of Real Estate Investings by Ken McElroy. It was a Ken purple McElroy. and yellow book, trusted advisor, yeah. Rich Dad, that book. They're teaching you how to do it. And I just couldn't comprehend that I that actually th- people do this. And I froze uh, for 10 years. I froze there. 
And it just took me a little while, but I'm so, man, I'm so excited for you. Just, just jumped in, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to go to commercial. So you need millions of dollars to buy a million dollar uh, apartment complex. You, you bought a hundred doors. If I got this right, you've bought two deals, a hundred mm-hmm. doors partnering all the way through it. But uh, that's like $5 million worth of freaking real estate. And you just kind of learned about real estate and dove right in. So give us some, your tactical things that you did, you know, just kind of super quickly. I know this is, it was not a super quick journey, but pack it in, tell, tell somebody how to get started in multifamily. That's never bought real estate before, just like you did. And how you went from freaking no real estate to $5 million and a hundred doors over two deals. How does that happen, man? Okay. So, well, I had similar limiting beliefs before, like, okay, how do I do this? Like, do I need to have like, do I not need to have like a whole bunch of money to start with? How do I believe in other people? Like, cause I need to be partners and all that. I guess first thing first, education has to be done. Like self-education has to be done. You gotta, you gotta learn what it is. And a lot of times you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. until you learn something new. Right. So that's what, what I did. I, I joined first biggerpockets.com towards 2019 was not that active in the beginning, but later part of it, I started listening to the podcast, reading all these articles about essentially, you know, learn about their language because they're talking about different language. They're talking about NOI, cap rate, cash and cash return. So first learn what it is to be in the real estate, especially multifamily. And then you got to know why you're doing multifamily because as you said, a lot of people start with single family flipping short term rental. I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different animal. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. a lot of people being very lucrative by doing short term rental Airbnbs or single flipping businesses. So you got to know yourself. Like, do you enjoy having your hands on talking to the tenants, arranging things? Then go for it. But to me, it was not. Uh, all I wanted was to um, own a system that generates passive income. And multifamily apartment uh, is, is one of the, the tools of the system that could generate passive income. So that's why I took multifamily. And essentially, the skill sets to tackle down multifamily is different from single family or the short-term Airbnb rental properties. So yeah, don't don't fear about going into bigger multi. You don't really have to, I think, start with single or duplexes before going to multi. Just go straight right into it. However, you got to remember this. It's going to take longer time because think about it. You're not doing flipping can be very quick, but think about you're flipping 10 units throughout the year, but you're talking about 30, 40, 50 unit or even 100 unit apartments. It can well take like a year for you to start. Even, even the experienced investors, sometimes it takes months for them to find this right property. So if you choose to go to multifamily directly, go for it. But remember, you got to be very patient. You got to fall in love with the process of learning, finding, and eventually bring it to the finish line. Every bit of process, you got to fall in love with that. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million 
worth of real estate. So we're gonna show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm gonna give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're gonna send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, let, let me uh, let me say a few of these things. So fear, I uh, heard, hey, d- don't be afraid. Fear, I love that acronym, false evidence appearing real, where somebody says, that. hey, that limiting belief that I can't do it, you just push that stuff to the side. There's people that do it today. You're looking at a couple of those individuals and you're hearing from mm-hmm. Yosef how he just jumped straight in and is in two deals and $5 million worth of real estate at 100 doors. It can be done. It's done all the time. And whether you believe it or not, it, it has no bearing on the fact. The fact that is people do it. So push the fear aside. Realize it's going to take longer. There's another summary point that I had that I, I caught from you. Because uh, if you think about it this way, if you found a single family house and flipped it, it's going to take you a number of months. Think about how much time it would take you to do 100 units the same way, one by one by one by one. Even 20 flips, it's going to take you some time. So it doesn't mean the moment that you decide to jump into multifamily, you're going to be invested in multifamily. It'll take you a little time because we're doing 50 doors at once, 40 doors at once, for you know, 100 doors, 400 doors at once takes a little bit of time. So I like that. I like that summary there, Yosef. And then, you know, really just, you know, understanding that it can be done and you did it. So anyways, let me, I just wanted to, reflect mm-hmm. on a couple of bullet points. Please continue. So thank you. Thank you. So with that mindset, now you got into a game, right? Yeah. Uh, I emphasized education, but again, I want to emphasize it again, mm-hmm. education yes, yes, yes. and partnership and uh, taking actions. If anybody asks me, what are the three things that you want to pinpoint as, as uh, uh, the most important aspect of multifamily invest to, to become successful as a multifamily investor, mm-hmm. I'll take this three education partnership and and taking actions yeah so education as you know you got to know stuff right i already told you you didn't just just jump into your uh uh, to being a lawyer with no education you didn't just take the bar without having some education you just just don't jump into a five million dollar portfolio right without knowing something (laughs) right 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 you gotta be you gotta be at least Shown to brokers and lenders and other people, you know what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to know all the lingos and the terms of how things work and how to analyze the deals. So I learned all this by joining uh, this mastermind groups. I joined Jake and Gino and MIH Mastermind. And first few months, I learned all, I took all the contents down and just try to memorize and all that. Again, it's not rocket yeah. science, but it's a lot of, a lot it's of not, stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It takes yeah. time. Right, right. So I learned that. And second thing, I want to emphasize partnership. So again, you can't really do this alone because of the size and the skill. And not only that, the skill set that's needed in this game is not one man show. I mean, if you like to do it alone, I guess I, I will tell you to do either single or smaller properties alone. But this is not me game. This is a team game. So you got to know how to find a right partner. Yeah. 
uh, in my little bit of Mike's case, the reason why I thought about this is this. Okay, so I'm from New York. I don't know where uh, any of your uh, audiences are from, but if you are from New York, California, like coastal lines where uh, the real estate is appreciation game, mm-hmm. then you will probably look into outside of your state if you're into passive income, just like myself. I was into cash flow, passive income. There was no way that I could do it in New York. So I started looking further away from New York in terms of markets and told myself, it's not like I'm going to go there every day to look at the property anyway. So if I have to find something out of state, it doesn't have to be really close to my state, right? Like Connecticut and New Jersey doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be that. I could go as far as I want as long as the number makes sense. But what is missing there, then I need somebody who could be my boots on the ground partner. So that's why I mentioned about partnership, because it's someone who could make your dream happen when you're not in that position they could make. If you're in Texas, like great markets, just like you, Abel, San Antonio, if you're in Tennessee or uh, Kansas City, you can do it. You can be your own boots on the ground. You can find all the partners. You have local connections. But someone like me, no, I can't. And that's why I joined a group like Mastermind so that I could have that connection. And through my Mastermind group, I met all my partners, boots on the ground partner, all other people in the team. Mm-hmm. So that's why partnership is important because it's a team game. If I want to add a little bit, a good team members are comprised of someone who's in the, who's a uh, boots on the ground, good underwriter, someone who has experience, who could oversee the process and help out the asset management side. Mm-hmm. And maybe these core team members and then plus secondary members like who has high net worth, who could, who could be a loan guarantor and maybe another capital raiser. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. see four or five different roles in a good team. What well, doesn't have to be five people team, maybe three people can share. So I was looking at other teams who are making it happen and trying to model that into, to build my own team. Got it. That's awesome. So let me, let me summarize this to you. So de- determine the right market. Yosef is in New York. He's not investing in New York. He wants to invest outside of New York. So he, he realized, Hey, I don't have to just like go to Connecticut or New Jersey. It's just, just because it's an hour or 45 minute drive away from the city. He's now, you know, decoupled from his hit the market that he lives in. And so now he can search for wherever he wants to. As long as you built the right team, which has boots on the ground, a local partner that's there in the market, hands on, that can go drive by, walk by, look at competitors and the deal that you're looking at. Someone has to be able to like set foot on the property every so often. Otherwise, it just doesn't go smoothly. And then the underwriter, for those that don't know that term, if you're a single family, you know, uh, investor listening, that underwriting, it's it's a it's a process. It's uh, something that took me a little while to learn. I'm a commercial loan broker uh, as well, Yosef. So I don't know if you, you knew that, but that's basically I'm like, I, I got into a job. Actually, it's a 1099. I kind of work what I want to. It's kind of cool. But I, I do this because I'm looking at now underwriting over and over and over again, because I wanted to get more crisp in uh, this. But if you've never underwritten a deal, there's like eight or nine tabs across the way. There's like 120 lines from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to put all this information into an underwriting. And you're, you're ultimately, you're just doing the numbers to see, it's it, boil it down. If you know what a profit loss is in your professional world or you're an entrepreneur, the profit and loss is just all your income minus all your expenses. And that's your profit at the end. 
Uh, in our world, there's debt service. The debt services, the lenders are going to give us 75% of what we need. And so above and beyond, or your debt service coverage ratio is basically how much can I uh, afford to pay the mortgage and then extra. And if I can have extra, that's our profit. That's our cash flow that we want. And that's kind of what we're doing. And at the end, there's an exit, right? But all that stuff requires somebody that's pretty decent on the Excel. So uh, on Excel and underwriting analysis, and also looking at comps and numbers and forecasts. So those things are what, what Yosef called as the primary, the core team, somebody also in asset management, someone who's going to work with a property manager once a week, look at the numbers, make sure our performance are on track, look at different contractor bids, make sure we're in the right position. So those three core team, then secondary, the high net worth, high liquidity uh, individual, that person is needed for a loan. You have to have net worth equal to size of loan and liquidity, about 10% of liquidity of the size of your loan amount. So if the deal is 10 million and they're lending you seven, I need $7 million net worth between the team and 700K of liquidity. And so that high net worth, high liquidity, and then experience, how do I get it done? And then obviously capital work, we're, we're raising capital. So I got to have a good team to do all that stuff. But it may sound overwhelming to you if you've never done it before, but it's not impossible. It's absolutely possible. Take Yosef an example. And just right now, he realized this is what other people do and he put it together. So anyways... Yes. I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm excited for you. No, 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 no. That's absolutely possible. Yeah. And, and, and as you said, those are team members because, okay, I learned this from one of the lenders I had a network with. So mm-hmm. he said, okay, because I told him, look, I'm a newbie. Just be completely yeah. straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what are the best advice that you could give me? He was like, okay, you got to be able to, basically, this is not verbatim what he said, but basically to me, a fundamental question that the lenders are asking is this. Okay, tell me who in your team has a prior experience of managing this size of the deal. Tell me, Yosef, who in your team has high net worth, just like just like you said, who could cover loan amount price of this deal, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have these team members, you can't say yes to that, then they're not going <laughs> to lend you money to close the deal. You can't uh, get you the loan They won't give that. you the loan. Right. That's why you need those team members in your team to tackle down the bigger deals. Yep. I love it. And uh, another thing I'll just say, you, you said... I think the the magic word or the magic words or phrase that some people are too proud to say. And he said, hey, I'm a newbie. Can you just tell, you know, give me your best piece of advice. Some people don't want to say that in whatever venture they go in, whether it's commercial multifamily or new on the job or new in a whatever venture that you're heading. And if you don't admit that, no one's ever going to give you this pearl of wisdom that you received because you humbled yourself in essence to say hey i'm a newbie can you give me some advice and they're like here's the pearl you know yeah yeah that happens i mean if you're if you're starting and if you don't know just put your head down and just listen (laughs) ask for an advice (laughs) well there are moments where sometimes you gotta you gotta i don't know some people say you gotta fake it until you make it right i would say there are moments where you have to be confident about what you do and what you know Mm-hmm. That's fine, um, but sometimes you got to be totally honest, open up, and and build a relationship that way. So I guess you got you got to be flexible in that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like the advice. I am always a fake it till you make it guy. I've said I said that for years and years and years and years. And then what I realized is I said it in a realm of area of, of expertise. I was actually a quote unquote expert in the area that I said it, 
I just may have not been titled, but I knew the actions that I could say, oh, I'm going to fake it till I make it, a position or role or title, but I knew the activities to do. So I was like, I'm going to fake it till I make it from a title perspective. I'm not a, I'm not a senior director in my IT professional world. I was a entry level guy, but I was, I was like, I already knew what to do in this spot. On the flip side of what you just said, if you literally know, don't know it and you're in, like you're sitting with the expert, that's the moment that you can clearly say, Hey man, I, you're, you're clearly an expert and tenured in this area. I, I'm new. I'm just trying to learn some pearls, man. Can you drop them on me? And so you got to humble yourself sometimes. And, and I, I like the flexibility part because you, you have to play the role on both sides. Well, man, this is awesome. So in the next few minutes, you bought two deals. You started a meetup. You've been raising capital. You formed a team. Take us through the last few minutes of like, man, how you went from that decision to buying two deals. Okay. Uh, so from there, after joining the groups, after I formed a couple of uh, relationships and then eventually met my partners who were in the deal together. So we yeah. started looking at the deals together. Maybe I think we saw, we looked at 30, 40 deals to find the good ones. And yeah. the first deal actually came to us. And funny thing is the two deals came to, to our team uh, around the same time. So first deal, we started uh, underwriting and we liked the deal. We put it on the contract around, I think, August. And the second deal, it came to us around September. So we put it on the contract. So we were actually working on these two deals throughout the, the summer and the winter at the same time. Woo! right? Yeah. But the, this deal, one deal was 43 unit in Lawrence, Kansas. And the other deal was uh, 68 unit in Wichita, Kansas. The reason being we're picked Kansas City Market was one of our was in the ground partner, Joe. Uh, he lives in Kansas. So through him, um, we were able to just look, uh, get to know the markets and how things are moving there. The deal that we, we put on the contract in September 43 unit was joint venture structure. We have six partners and the seller was so motivated. His, his condition was if only if you can close this year, I'll sell it to you, basically. So we said, of course, we want that. So we went in and uh, with the community bank, not too much hiccups. We were able to close in December of 2020. Oh. Uh, so from September to December 2020, three months, not too bad, not too many hiccups. And we closed it. We were able to actually get $100,000 seller credit because the seller refused to fix the roof and HVAC system, which was very old. And he rather gave us $100,000 credit. So we got that and we closed it. But this 60 unit deal was a uh, loan assumption, Fannie Mae syndication, a lot more dynamics were going on. Actually, I love syndication because it's actually harder and, but more adventurous throughout, <laughs> I guess, journey. So we got that on the contract around August and we were doing all due diligence. This is B plus type property so not too much things uh, to be fixed or repaired or anything but the thing was the seller I, for some reason i don't i'm not trying to blame the seller anywhere but the occupancy rate was starting going down uh during our dependency of closing and obviously yeah. fannie mae lender was very very sensitive about occupancy right so it was yeah. barely touching the 90 percent <laughs> right before closing so we had to um, extend the due diligence period. I think we did three times, uh, almost over three months just to catch up with the occupancy. We wanted our property management company to come over and actually help out with the lease, leasing part and all that. Some worked, some didn't. You know, in the end, long story short, 
we were able to bring that occupancy over back to 95%, which was prior to the contract. And we gave up on certain terms on supplemental loans. We turned that completely into different deals. So we basically restructured the whole class. We created, we ended up creating another class to raise more money and all that. Long story short, in March 2020, we closed. 2021, we closed, which is last month. It took nine months to close this deal. And I learned ton throughout this process. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you learned one of them. One of them. I'm sure there's many, many multiple lessons, but at least one, uh, if you, if you don't know these, a couple terms, stabilized property. So if you're listening, 90% occupied for 90 days is a, is the stabilized asset and the agencies, Freddie and Fannie, they give us amazing terms, low interest rate, it's fixed, uh, long amortization, pretty decent uh, lengths of time to get these loans. And they lend us a good bit of money, 75%, maybe a little more depending on the market and that you're in. And uh, it's non-recourse. So non-recourse, unlike a single family house, if you mess up in single family, you owe the remainder of the amount of the house. And if you mess up in multifamily, it's a little more forgiving. You lose, nobody wants to lose anything, but the risk stops at your investment seed and you don't have a $5 million loan hanging over your head. So very good terms. And that's what we kind of all want, but they don't land for anything that's really not stabilized. So it's got to be 90% occupied for 90 days. And if you, if you put it under contract, like Yosef had it, put it under contract and then it goes to 89 or 88, then you're like, oh shoot, I'm not 90 for 90 and I'm trying to get this, you're trying to get at least up and put more tenants. And the seller's like, well, I'm going to sell it. And they're like, well, bro, you can't, I can't buy it because my lender wasn't, it wasn't here. And there, there's a lot of things that go into, we, we put down 15 or 20K in a loan application, sometimes even more. So it's not as easy as just going to the next lender. You've got your, your, your application fee is already paid. And anyways, there's all this stuff. And so you're, you're, it sounds like the new property manager kind of helped you get in there, turn it around, get up to 90 uh, enough to close it. And you guys just stuck with it the whole time. Yes. Now the new property management team is doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. So I think the new list starts, some of the new list starts in May. Well, including that we're hundred percent full. Yeah. All right. So it's it. great. Good, yes. Man. yes. So awesome. Well, congratulations. Well, please tell us, I know we're close on our time right now. I'm sure. Yeah, it goes by quick. Like I said, man. So please (laughs) tell us your uh, your contact information. If there's somebody that listen is listening in that wants to go get in your meetup, go hang out with you, go invest with you, whatever the case may be. Where do they go reach out to? Actually, who do you want to reach out to you and where can they go? Well, I love to connect with anybody who has any questions about how to start in a multifamily games uh, and and want to listen to my experience. I love to share my experience and I'm pretty open to that. So anyone, you could reach me either Facebook or LinkedIn, or Insta. You can all find me through Yosef. Your, uh, the handle is Yosef, your brosef. Uh, you just type in and I'll pop up and you know we'll hang out. All <laughs> uh, right. That's awesome. And then uh, is there anything we didn't cover today that you wanted to bring some extra exposure to or highlight or anything I, you're hoping I didn't ask, I, I asked and I didn't get to? No, I think we basically touched it, but I want to reemphasize again about falling in uh, love, falling in love with the process. It's it's sometimes it's like long gain. I when, before I had my first deal, uh, I felt like this is like a walking in a tunnel without a light. 
because he did a lot of, I spent a lot of time at night and weekends underwriting the properties and talking to people, networking, still, still didn't have anything under my belt. I even felt like I'm ashamed to call myself multifamily investor. <laughs> I went, I didn't have anything under my belt, right? Yeah. But overall, I think it's, it's the patient, patience that you have to just keep pushing yourself with and, and with the belief that something good is going to happen if you just keep pushing yourself and taking that action. It. Keep going. Just keep going. It. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Yosef. Uh, I I sincerely appreciate just the time that you that you spent here. And let me get let me let you get back to your day. And man, thank you very much for everything. Come some nita, right? Come some hamnita. So thank you very much. Yes. Uh, Anyang you. you're the man, brother. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much, Abel, for having me here. I, yeah. like I said, time flew. I didn't even know it was already four. It's the time. So, Let me let you get to, to thank your Thank you very much, man. brother. All right, God bless you, and I appreciate your time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve? Do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast, give us a five-star rating, and most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us your favorite guests. Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.